Welcome to Revere Assets, Your Money, with Danny Stewart. You never know how far the stock is going to go down. Tim Razor. Danny knows I'm a geek for all of this stuff. And Don Vandenborg. Telling it like it is. If you're seeking the best stock knowledge this side of Wall Street, you've come to the right place. I'm sorry, did I steal your stuff? No, you didn't steal any thunder. Who's handling this segment? (laughs) For the next hour, Danny, Tim, and Don will be talking investing. Investing is 90% psychological, and I love that. Trades. The market will usually overshoot to the downside and to the upside. And dumpster fires. Because it doesn't matter what you think or what I think, and it matters even less what Danny thinks. And now, here's your hosts... Danny, Tim, and Don. It starts with a banking crisis and ends in recession. Of course, I'm talking about the Fed. And folks, welcome to Your Money Radio, the pre-Good Friday edition. We're recording this early on Thursday morning because the markets are closed on Good Friday. So we are actually recording this a day early. So let's get right into it. Now, I read, so I read a lot of different things. And I read this article from on Advisorpedia, which is kind of a a a, a, a periodical, or actually it's a web-based article. that writes a bunch of articles and things for kind of advisors. And a lot of it is about, um, you know, how to manage your client and what to do and what products we should sell to you and kind of really how to manage the client, the relationship. So most of the stuff I don't really like that much, but every once in a while they have a really good, elegant, simple article. that really clarifies things. And really it's talking about the fed. And the article starts, and, and by the way, all of these articles that we put in the in the show notes, you can go read yourself and you can see it. And this one actually has some charts and graphs and shows the last, you know, few crises and, and what have you. But the reason I like this one, look, I've got a very deep understanding of economics, the Fed, the discount rate, the free reserves, all the stuff they do. But to put it in very simple two or three page article and make it so that an eighth grader can understand it. That's where it has value. So I'm just going to hit the highlights, and then you can go read this. So basically it says the Fed starts with a banking crisis and ends with recession. And they talk about, you know, the inverted yield curve, short-term rates being higher than longer-term rates, so that now the banks have to lend at high, pay you the the depositor at higher rates, and then they got to go try to pay you with long term bonds that are at lower rates. So they've got a negative cash flow now. Not only that, their bonds, their long term bonds, are underwater. They've lost lots of money on those bonds, and so now they've got a banking crisis, a liquidity crisis. Right? Not only that, but corporations are frozen out. Because why are you going to lend a money in a co- to a corporation for three, four, five, six percent when you get a T bill paying four and a half? There is no point to take that extra risk. So now you're causing the corporations to pay a higher rate of borrowing, and the less credit quality, the junk bond market makes it so expensive that they don't they don't really want to. It kills their deals. It doesn't make it worthy. 
Okay, so you got the inversion with the yield curve, you got corporate liquidity and people getting frozen out. And then so you had SVB fail, the Silicon Bank fail, then First Republic. Then UBS entered a shotgun marriage with Credit Suisse because the Fed opened the swap lines internationally to banks across the pond. Did you know that? Did you know the Fed just sent hundreds of billions of dollars, maybe even trillions to the European banks to bail them out? We'll probably find that out in a, in a year or two. You know, in the economic crisis, the Fed hit a button and sent $16 trillion to Europe. They got it back, luckily, but that was how they stopped the 2008 crisis. In any event, the, the Fed has opened up their foreign bank lines and the discount window that our banks can borrow from the Fed hit, hit record borrowing last, the last couple of weeks. So lending and bonds being rolled over at higher rates is going to be actually the next crisis that's coming down the road. But credit is the lifeblood of the economy. And that's why it's a problem. So the Fed eventually uh, causes this recession. So you've got this liquidity crisis with higher rates, the Fed tightening, just the opposite of quantitative easing. This is quantitative tightening. They're tightening and they're, they're choking off the economy. And then it forces the Fed to finally cut rates and restart the next QE. And thus the cycle begins all over again. Okay? With inflation built in, and you ratchet it up to a new higher level of inflation, uh, uh, a federal debt, et cetera. Now, and a lot of pundits now have been talking about gold, how bullish gold is. So the fiat currencies, what is is the is the you know, everybody's talking about the dollar and the dollar being de uh, decrowned as a world reserve currency and that we're, we're printing and we're, we're losing control. We're, we're printing too much money, that's true. And we got too much debt, that's true. But guess what? We're the s tallest little person in the room. You understand what I'm saying? China and Europe and the Bank of Japan are much worse than we are. So on a relative basis, that's why we're still fairly strong as a currency. But you know, the one currency that actually is doing very well, gold. So when the Fed was created back in 1917, a one ounce gold piece was $20. In fact, they called it a $20 gold piece. A one ounce gold piece was $20, $20 bill. Either one of those would buy you a custom made three piece Italian suit, right? Take a $20 gold piece or you take a $20 bill, you get a handmade tailored suit back in 1917. Today, that $20 won't even buy you the silk hanky that goes in the sleeve of the suit. But that one ounce gold piece, it's now $2,000 in, in U.S. dollars, will still buy you a three-piece handmade Italian suit. That's purchasing power. So when you think of gold as a currency, not as the metal, you can see on a relative basis, gold has been doing better than all of the other currencies. But here's the main point. The main point is what are the markets telling us and what does that mean? Are we at the tail end of this bear market? Are we finally coming out the end or we do, do we have another leg to roll over? We're going to talk about all of that. But anyway, I just like this very simple two-page article because it talks about this Fed cycle, about the quantitative easing, the, the greasing the wheels, lowering rates, stimulating the economy, and then getting it overheated. 
but they never pull in the reins. They never slowly suck it back out. So it gets overheated. Now you have inflation and now they have to do the cycling, the tightening again. And if they would let the economy just self-regulate, we probably would be a better off. Anyway, that's me. Enough said. That's a good article if you want to go read it. Now, switching gears, we're talking about the market still. Tech stocks have been the strongest sector this first quarter, even with AI getting hurt the last couple of days. And we're going to talk about that for sure. Okay. But tech stocks, it's a flight to quality. Or is it just because they're safer than banks? In other words, people aren't so bullish on tech right now. It's just they're so scared about the banks. They know that Apple and these big, big mega bellwether tech stocks have a lot of cash on hand. And they're, of course, it's in the banks. Uh, and they are deemed safer. So one reason tech may be actually rallying is not for the reasons you think. Okay? Now, Remember, stocks and bonds are going to rally before the economy starts improving, before we see the markets improving. Okay? Now, all the markets need is a little impetus. The Fed saying that they're going to claim they're going to, you know, ease up or even pause rates, and that's when you could see a massive rally. The markets are just waiting for the Fed to take the throat off the take its foot off the throat of the economy. All right. And then finally, what is happening with AI, with artificial intelligence in that sector? Uh, what happened? And we're going to talk about all of that. I want to go into a mailbag very quickly early, and then we're going to talk about AI. And the, or do you want me to save the mailbag when you talk about AI specifically, Don, or you want to go into that right now? Uh, let's, let's save it. Let's, okay. uh, let's get Connor's segment uh, done. Uh, he's got a time delay, and then we'll go into uh, the the market. Okay. So, Connor, uh, pretty key sector you're going to dive into this week. Let's uh, – why don't you tell us about it? Take it away. Yeah, so uh, the, the talk of the town kind of has been gold recently, and gold's been off to a fantastic start this year and is now trading above that 2000 spot, which has acted as resistance. Um, I think when you think of gold and when people think of gold, gold often performs well when there's a lot of fear and uncertainty in the market. Um, and I think that's something that is very prevalent right now. And, and there's been a few recent catalysts this week and over the past few months that have also helped uh, fuel the momentum for gold. Um, so this week, we had weaker economic data, and this could suggest that the Federal Reserve could consider slowing rate hikes and pauses, and, and gold saw a positive reaction off this. And other catalysts we've seen over the past month, two months, is, you know, the recent bank failures. Um, people are starting to wake up to the fear and risk of bank failures, and, and they might find more comfort having some gold in their portfolio or just um, within their asset collection. Um, there, there's persistent high inflation, rising rates and bonds, and new weakness in the uh, job market. So these are just some fundamental things that, that could be uh, assisting in, in the momentum of gold. And, and given all the geopolitical issues and everything going on, if anything escalates with Russia or China, I think that could also fuel gold um, higher. 
So when you overall, when you look at everything going on, I don't think you can go wrong with gold here. Um, it's always been viewed as a portfolio hedge and, and can shine in, in periods of market turbulence. And so, yeah, so when you look at some of the miners, you got OR, if you want to pull that chart up. I'll just mention three miners briefly. Um, miners have, have been doing fantastic this year and breaking out. Um, and if you go to like the longer time frames, if you look at the weekly or monthly, they look extended on the daily, but from a longer term viewpoint, these charts look like they really do have a lot more room. And yeah, another one is AEM that's been breaking out as well. And yeah, there, there's plenty more, but just just showing. And then other ways you can also play the gold long is you can play it via ETFs. There's GLD, GDX, um, NUGT. Some are leveraged, some are not. So these are also other ways. And I think when you think about it, in 2022, there was a massive move in, in oil and energy-related stocks, and that was a huge theme. So with, with how the moment, momentum is building and how the stocks are setting up, I think you can build the case that this year could gold could be a huge theme this year moving into next year. And although, although it is somewhat a little bit overcrowded right now, I think in 2022, energy and oil was also overcrowded for, for majority of the year, but it had the fundamental price action and momentum behind it. And I think gold checks all those boxes as well. And, you know, the last tailwind for gold is the weakening dollar. Um, the dollar topped on September 27, and shortly after gold um, bottomed around November 3rd, 2022. And if the dollar continues to stay weak, then I think that's more fuel for gold. So. I, yeah, I just wanted to mention that for my segment, and and yeah, that, that's all I got for gold. Yeah, that gold, uh, what you mentioned about the dollar, that inverse correlation has been very strong. The dollar's continued to pull back over the last three weeks, and that's really coincided uh, with a strong three-week move up in GDX and in GLD. If you look at GLD uh, on a weekly chart first, you can see this uh, failed breakout, first of all, in uh, early 2022. A lot of people thought this was going to be the big time for gold to make its run nice break out of a weekly flat base. But it, it uh, declined from 190. Had about a, uh, well, the base on here is 22%. So it declined 22%, formed another cup and handle that it uh, then broke out of on 317. Two nice inside consolidation weeks and then follow through. To the upside but look at a monthly chart on this and look how long this base is going all the way back to 2011 so a 12-year base and uh, really a 12-year cup and then you're kind of building a another two more bases on there but uh approaching the top uh of that 11 year uh, 11 plus year base pretty impressive uh on the part of gold connor thanks um Hey, four weeks to graduation now, right? The, the the countdown continues. I know, it's coming faster and faster. 
Excellent. Looking forward to you and Ted coming to coming to St. Augustine so we can uh, uh, get together and uh, make some make some good stuff happen for uh, for the clients. So glad to have you on board. All right, Dan, uh, you want to do the mailbag and then yeah, I'll yeah, talk yeah. about and, the worst and, trade. and I do want to jump on and make one little comment on gold and silver and the precious commodities. So, folks, you've probably always been told that that de deflation is terrible for gold. And, and, and Connor made the comment that gold actually works really well during a fear trade. So gold does very well during inflationary times. Actually, it'll run up early in inflationary times. It'll actually a lot of times sell off when inflation is peaking because all the people are taking profits, assuming that inflation is going to recede. In any event, you know that gold is supposed to be good for inflationary. But deflationary, you've been told that it's no good. During the Great Depression, that was our biggest deflationary time. They confiscated our physical gold. The government did. They, they confiscated it 17 and a half. About three years later, they sold it in the international markets for 35. So gold actually made about 33% over the course of three years, 33% annualized over the course of three years. Gold miners literally in, during the 30s made 60, 70, 80% annualized a year. The silver miners made about 14 and a half percent from 1931 to 1938. So the, the two best performing sectors, you couldn't track the physical gold. Well, you couldn't sell it. You couldn't buy and sell it. The government did, but you couldn't. But physical gold and the gold miners were actually the two best performing sectors during the Great Depression. Silver was the number two best sector. Did you know that? Probably not. That's because so many people were worried that we were completely collapsing during the Great Depression and that maybe the dollar wasn't even going to make it. And so gold was that ultimate flight to quality. So don't, that's why we always say price is truth and the economic theories that they teach in college may not actually be as accurate as you think, or they may just not dovetail perfectly with the timing. They may front run that environment. And that's why we got to use some technicals. All right. So we're going to dive deep into the markets and but we do want to talk about AI. AI was a very uh, it was a trade we did that did not work out, and um, and it actually was the strongest sector, artificial intelligence, literally for the last week, and was heating up really nicely. And then all of a sudden, it had a hard reversal on a hatchet job that a, that a guy put out. Whether that's going to be true or not, we'll see. But 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 the point is. Um, um, the markets during the banking uh, scare a few weeks ago, and by the way, this banking thing is not over yet, so don't think it's completely over, but AI kind of knocked it off the front page. But a couple weeks ago, the market was worried about the banks were selling off hard, and then all of a sudden started firming up and rallying hard, and it looked like it was behind us, and the markets were setting up to be very, very bullish. And then all of a sudden, the AI story comes along, and it kind of took the wind out of the sails, especially for a few certain sectors. So I'm going to read this. Good morning, Dan. I'm trying to understand the AI trade Don took the other day. I can see there was a possible possible support at $30, $31 range, but clearly the stock was selling off hard and trying to catch a falling knife of something I've been taught to avoid at all costs. We, we also believe that. I was shocked to see where we were down 24% on that one position as of Tuesday, and I know we were stopped out fully yesterday. I just haven't had a chance to see where the total damage was. The ups, updated chart shows AI trading at 21. Were you, were you guys actually aware of the Carisdale capital letter before you took the trade? Don is constantly repeating the mantra. It's not how much you make, but how much you keep. I realize the overall impact of the portfolio is minimal. That's key. 
but it seems to go against everything you guys have taught me. Do you guys analyze each trade you take after you take it and look at what worked and what didn't? And there were a couple of things that she's also a client and a listener. So I, I, it's some personal stuff I can't read. Okay. And this says, thank you for always listening. I appreciate the transparency. Thank and thank you. Thank you guys. Let me try that again. I appreciate the transparency that you guys provide. All the best, CK. Okay, me. We are going to address the AI trade. By the way, I got this this morning and I sent her back to answer this morning. We are going to address the AI AI trade in detail in this week's podcast this morning, taping early due to Good Friday. So if you don't already subscribe to our new YouTube channel, here's the link. You can just go to Revere Asset. That's just it. YouTube, search for Revere Asset and sign up. Obviously, we were, and, and by the way, you'll get this as soon as we post it here in about an hour after we tape it versus getting it in your inbox on Saturday morning, in this case, Friday morning. Obviously, we were not aware of the shorts. The short seller was going to do a hatchet job on AI. And the truth of whether they were cooking the books or just use aggressive accounting Acceptable aggressive accounting will be resolved in the coming weeks. This short seller put out negative news about a month ago and got creamed on AI. He was short. The stock went up. Then he doubled down shorting even more and issued this recent report. We always analyze each trade, especially the ones that didn't work out. That is also why position sizing is so important. We had, had we had a large full position on AI, it would have been, it would have been really painful. This is also why you begin with a starter position and keep adding as a stock continues to work so that you were building on your gains and, and you keep adding as the stock continues to, you keep building on your gains. And if it does not rever and if it does reverse hard, once you have a larger position, it does not hurt the portfolio as much because you were giving back some gains and not principal. In this situation, this negative hard reversal occurred directly after we added the position. In this situation, the negative revert, uh, directly after we had this, we always strive to only lose negative 0.2% of the portfolio in any one position. It's quote, stopped out. We don't use hard stops. But every couple of years, you will get a stock that gaps down on you, especially overnight, and your loss is double digit and not in line with your planned exit. The loss is a larger, the loss is larger percentage wise if it happens right after you establish a position and then gaps down, but is smaller dollar wise as your position size is still small. And again, this is why position sizing is important is so important. After listening, let me know if you have any questions. Okay. So with that done, you go over the markets. Obviously, you're going to cover the AI trade and whatever else you deem is uh, today that the listeners need to know. Yeah, let's start off with uh, this trade, which has which is the worst one we've had at Revere in uh, quite quite a while. And hindsight being twenty twenty, uh, it, it's obvious the mistakes that I made doing this. But first of all, let's separate AI the stock from AI the the sector. Uh, there are a lot of stocks that are involved in artificial intelligence that. Um, are, are a lot of more uh, pick and shovel uh, type stocks, uh, them being NVIDIA, the chips that power the servers, uh, uh, Microsoft, the cloud uh, storage facility for a lot of the processing that goes on for these various AI companies. This company is actually called C3. Their, their ticker 
is AI. What they do is provide a platform for various companies to integrate artificial intelligence into their operations. Uh, so it, it's been a, a pretty hot stock, obviously, with a pretty hot se- uh, pretty, within a pretty hot sector. We first played it back in January and caught this uh, little run up here, and it got extremely extended. I took profits around 22.23, watched it uh, speed up in two days all the way up to 30, and then give it back, bounce again. Uh, give it back. And then it had its earnings report and it had a strong gap up, up 34% on 328% uh, percent volume. So now it's got our attention uh, as one of these uh, power earnings gap plays. And it's also in a sector that's in favor. That uh, earnings gap up failed miserably. It came uh, back over the next week and a half, all the way back to this key area of support, which was 20 Uh the Caresdale Capital guy came out initially with a short report that got very little attention. Uh, and then when we, we we got back into it, so the big update in the market, 331, was last Friday. Uh, we didn't buy it as it uh, was very extended on the day, came to the top of the base. The next day, it pulled back within 5% of the pivot. This is when we bought a 1% position and then a second one percent. So by the end of the day on four three, we had a two percent size. A stock this volatile, the max we will put into it is three percent. Uh, and then the next the next day, uh, it was actually gapping up pre market before this guy from Caresdale Capital put out a report again. This time he publicized that he sent the report to the auditor for C three, and he also sent it to the SEC. Uh, Initially, let's go to uh, a 15-minute chart on this. So on the daily, this has obvious support at the pivot, 29.98. This 30-ish area level uh, is support also. But it's not what you would call significant support because it spiked above and failed here. It spiked above and failed here. So really, the closer area uh, of where support really starts to kick in is around 28. So after the market opened, uh, I'm going to go to a five minute chart here. The stock gapped down and it appeared to be holding. I then read a couple of uh, uh, comments that came out relative to this guy's report stating that he's a disgruntled um, a dis- disgruntled short seller who's piling on. He's down 50% uh, on his short because the stock has doubled and he's trying to get the stock lower so he can get out. I initially looked at that uh, as an opportunity and we took a third 1% position at, when it started to stabilize in here around 31. Uh, shortly after that, it started breaking down, broke below that 30 level. Uh, and then it, when it broke below the 30 level, we started to a- exit the position. The, t- the first 2% that we initially sold, we sold around 1030 and it was between 20, when it broke 28, that 28 area that I measured or that I mentioned when it started to break below there, the average exit on there was around 2770. Uh, the loss for those two combined uh, was 0.34%. So our target on this uh, is uh, 0.2. Uh, 
So really you break it down. When we say 0.2, that means on our starter 2% position. So this starter 2% position, instead of a 0.2 loss, we took a 0.34 loss on it. Now go to uh, the ad that we took. And this just really got away from me. Uh, we were down to a 1% size. Uh, I was looking for it to bounce at 26. Uh, it initially did bounce at 26. And after it bounced, I took off half of that additional buy that we did that day uh, around 26.10 when that bounce off 26 looked like it was failing. So we lost 0.7% on that half. So now we're up to 0.41% uh, combined on the two. Uh, so this 1% really had a 0 0.1% desired maximum downside on it. We got out at the first half at 0.07%. And at that point I was looking for um, this next area of support down here is the 24 area. Uh, and I just plain and simple let the stock go uh, further down than it should have. It, it did find support at the 24 area and started to bounce back. Uh, but then the next day when it lost 24 at the open, I sold the rest of it uh under 23 so the total loss combined was about 0.52 uh three times one percent positions mean men our risk on this should have been about 0.33 ideally uh we make progress after we do this initial two percent buy and we limit it to 0.2 but the overall limit to the portfolio uh impact to the portfolio about a half of a percent which is not acceptable it's not what we strive for um, we're going to make some mistakes occasionally, um, and this is one of them, plain and simple. We, um, you can see it got down to the 20 area, and it's bouncing today uh, up 10%. The, the company uh, AI did issue, and one of the reasons why I held on to that half percent was uh, they said that they were going to issue a statement the next day. Overnight, they issued the statement. The statement was kind of weak. They didn't back it up. Uh, with anything that the guy was charging in was charging them with from a fraud perspective uh, and for that reason the stock wasn't supported yesterday you can see it's starting to sell off until it got down to that 20 area um, everything that, that uh, CK said in that email she's right about it she's right that we took a bigger than loss than we wanted to she's also right that the impact of the portfolio while um, not what we want obviously was uh, not devastating uh, and that gets back to the position sizing the volatility of a stock like this we would have maximized our position at three percent that's what we did it resulted in a half percent drawdown to the portfolio uh, we learned from it we go to uh, the next trade and um, in hindsight what i should have done is blown it all out immediately when it started breaking below that 28 area that would have resulted in a loss of about uh, 0.4% instead of the 0.51 uh, that we got. So we did start tapering out, just uh, it moved pretty fast and we don't put hard stops in because the algos come and get them. And um, that's a summary of the worst trade we've had in quite a long time. Oh, that's been years. But, but, the, but the main point, so a couple of things, you kept a piece of that position overnight and then it gapped down the next day big. And that's where the remaining uh, uh, loss, that's where the, the, the big part of the loss occurred. 
number one. No, it, it wasn't. It, we were down to a half percent position on there and it didn't gap down. But once it gave gave way below that 28 area right. and the statement that the company put out with put out um uh once it broke that 24 area which was also a support area this is where we got rid of that remaining piece of it i was expecting a bounce based on their reply the reply was not expected was not um received by the market it continued to go lower and at that point they're probably still a little guarded because they're trying to get the legal they want to make sure they don't miss i imagine you know it's and it's uh another let's talk about ai first of all their ceo has a fantastic reputation on wall street his name's tom siebel he was one of the big players in oracle back in the day back around 2000 Uh, he left oracle and started his own company siebel systems so he's very uh, experienced in the software sector. He's been on uh, CNBC quite a few times. And uh, another reason why I gave a little bit of the benefit of the doubt to this stock is because he's the CEO and I knew his history. Um, but it, it's a case of the actual price action overriding. You know, sometimes when you get conviction, people say you want to have conviction in something. Sometimes that hurts you. For example, in the legal justice system, conviction can lead to execution. So this is a case where we got executed Um, and it wasn't it it wasn't painful. But again, we always limit our uh, or it was painful. We always limit our um, our position sizing so that, you know, our goal is to never lose more than that 0.2 percent on an initial two uh, percent position but in this case it got up to 0.51 percent yeah it, it, look it, it's it's not it's not going to be perfect 100 percent of the time um um you know and that and that's a hard call uh it is one of the leading stocks here's the thing when people see it on their thing and they go oh my gosh oh you lost 15 percent or 20 or whatever it is 12 percent what you also got to look at is the dollar amount so if it's only a two percent position size or a half or one whatever it is the overall impact on the portfolio is small, even though it feels like a, a big loss. I'm not diminishing it. It's very difficult. And look, that's that's investing is hard sometimes, and sometimes it that happens. But that's that's why you got to have rules and you keep moving forward. All right, let's talk about the overall markets. So, are you still liking the you still like the AI sector? It's just AI stock that you're. Yeah, this is an avoid. This is an avoid uh, for me. Um... You, you just can't get involved in in a stock that can drop 26% on a, uh, it tells me that there's no institutional support for the stock. If there was, they would have been buying it on the pullback because firms like Fidelity look in to things like this. Um, and there are no major institutions it would show up here. No, no, wait a minute here, funds and owners. So Lord Abbott, this is a very highly, uh, recognized solid uh, research company. They've looked into AI. They have a one percent position in it, uh, but it's you know it's a fairly new issue, um, and them coming to the fore is is fairly recent also. And they they certainly didn't have and were not able to support it uh, that day that the charge came out. And I don't have an explanation as to why last time this guy brought something up, this Caresdale Capital. Uh, it was ignored and it, then it resulted in a 26% loss. Uh, my guess is it was everybody that bought it here on Friday when it was up 21%. So it, 
saw all their money vanishing and they just bailed on it. Um, but it is what it is. We'll, uh, we'll move on and, um, yeah, focusing on some of the, uh, stocks that are holding up very well that are, that are part of the overall sector too. There's going to be opportunities to make, certainly make money, uh, in the overall artificial intelligence space, not necessarily with C3.ai stock. And, and by the and way, this stock, the this, this, Don, this stock may turn around and start being a leader again in two weeks if they if they clear up the accounting. We just got to wait and see. You just you just don't know. Yeah, another another reason why we limit our size on three percent in this is because they they have three major customers. Uh, so there is uh, if one of their major customers pulled the plug, they would have a significant uh, impact to their stock price. And that's another reason that kept us to limiting our target size on this to 3%. Um, they need to expand their customer base and show some successes. And like I said, they've got the right CEO in place, um, but we'll see where it goes from here. Let's talk about the overall market now and how it's acting. Cause I, I said in the video last night that one of the reasons why we use the S&P 500 and in this case, UPRO or we use SSO also, enhanced ETFs to get our position uh, in the S&P 500 is how all the rotation, and I, if, if you're, I'm gonna summarize this, but I went into a deep explanation and went through sector by sector in Wednesday night's videos. Every time the market rotates, whether it goes from value to growth or from one sector to another, all that rotation takes place within the S&P 500. There's 11 different sectors. Yes, they're weighted differently, but when sector rotation takes place, it all takes place within the S&P 500 as money gets moved around uh, from uh, maybe some of the smaller size S&P 500 stocks to the mega caps from value uh, to growth or from one sector to another sector. So this has been a very normal, very controlled pullback for the S&P 500. And as of right now, we're bouncing at the ADMA. It's been a very nice uh, three-day pullback. If you look at the 60-minute chart, you can see this 4070 to 4078 area from over here is an area of support and that's where we stopped going down right now. It also corresponds to the ADMA and then below there is the 4050 area where we can pull back to and that still would be a very reasonable support and nothing to be concerned about. But what was concerning was the action of the overall leaders Tuesday and Wednesday, well really Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday uh, they just didn't hold up the way the way leaders should have. They pulled back harder, uh, and it was money fleeing out of growth and into staples, into utilities, into healthcare, uh, out of industrials, uh, and out of anything that is very susceptible to recessionary a recessionary environment. We've had five major pieces of uh, economic data come out over the last week, and all five have been worse than expected, pointing to a recession, and the market started reacting to it. Uh, it reacted to it a lot more violently in individual sectors than it did inside the S&P 500. And again, that's because, like I said, all the sector rotation that takes place within the S&P 500. But let's take a look at uh, XLI. Here's a weekly chart. Uh, industrials, steel, uh, copper, uh, stocks like Caterpillar, uh, anything that could be him impacted by a slowing recession or a, a, a slowing economy and increasing risk of recep recession 
really got hit hard. Uh, there's XLI, here's a ETF for the steel stocks. They got hit very hard. Uh, XLK, it's been kind of a normal pullback, but XLK is very heavily weighted by Microsoft and Apple, and those are stocks that are have rock-solid balance sheets and wouldn't necessarily get hit as hard during a recession as some of the more go-go tech, tech stocks would be that are in uh, ETFs like Here's the growth, small cap growth. Uh, that got hit pretty hard at a weekly chart on that. Small cap growth is down near 3%. ARK uh, is down 5% uh, on the week. Um, there's another one that, oh yeah, let's look at SPLV. This is low volatility stocks up for the week, 1.4%. And that money is coming out of SPHB high beta stocks down over 4% for the week. So a very clear rotation from high beta into lower volatility from growth to defense. Uh, and uh, it hit, uh, we're, we're a growth firm. So it hit our stocks harder than it hit the overall portfolio. Uh, the equivalent 60% allocation that we have in the S&P 500 shielded us somewhat, uh, but the combination of the AI uh, move down and uh, the sell-off in some of the other growth stocks that we owned uh, has us underperforming for the week. And we're reacting to the what the market's telling us relative to the recession and where money's going to be flowing into. And it's flowing into things like Staples XLP. Uh, you can see that this is holding up very well and look at the relative strength uh, on the week. So uh, sector rotation happening. It's taken place within the S&P 500, uh, which is 60% of our risk that we have on. Uh, the other, uh, the remaining risk that we have, we're in 40% bonds right now, which is in a combination of TMF. And this is due to a breakout. We really, you want to look at the TLT chart uh, and you can see how this has broken out uh, this week above this uh, recent resistance area of 107. I talked about it in Tuesday night's video that it might be time for it. When we uh, moved above this resistance area, we bought TMF yesterday, a 5% position. That's the equivalent of a 15% in TLT long-term treasury bonds. And then we continue to hold 25% uh, in short-term treasuries, which are still yielding a very nice interest rate over 4%. So we've got 40% in bonds, combination of short and long-term. Uh, money flows into long-term treasuries when there's fear in the market. And now the fear is about a recession. Uh, and that's why we move some money into that area. Uh, reduced our growth component uh, this week and um, still holding some GLD gold, which has been acting very well. Uh, and we'll go from here. Right now, it's, like I said, normal pullback on the S&P 500, normal pullback in the NASDAQ 100 because of the heavy weightings in the, over, uh, the overweighted um, rock-solid balance sheet stocks that make up the big part of that in the XLK, stocks like Apple, Microsoft, Google. Um, one that hasn't held up, though, is Tesla, which is a failed breakout here. Uh, it failed breakout from Friday. We bought a position on this, on that breakout. It failed, broke below through the 21 yesterday. We sold it following through to the downside today. Uh, and over the weekend, they reported what was considered to be a miss 
on their uh, deliveries and the stock has sold off four straight days since then. So we got stopped out of Tesla. Uh, but normal pullback in the queues, uh, Dow is starting to outperform. That's a defensive, which is odd. It's the Dow Jones industrial average, but it really is uh, diversified over several defensive uh, industries, not just uh, the XLI industry, which is way underperforming what the Dow is doing. But uh, if we're going to retrench and go toward defense and safety, the Dow will outperform and mid caps are st and small caps are still getting dragged down by what's going on in the banking sector. Uh, KRE, KBE uh, still look terrible. So uh, it's not only a combination now of the big drop because of the liquidity fear now, um, it's coming to light how that interest rate spread is impacting the earnings of, of banks because uh, of how they're weighted toward long-term. But you can go to the government and get over 4% on short-term treasuries, and that's going to squeeze their margins too. So banks uh, we're, are on an avoid. If you've been watching the videos we've been talking about, uh, we're in an uptrend, but stay away from industrials, uh, real estate, and banks, those three sectors have been extremely weak and that's the stance that we're taking right now. And until uh, changes in the chart happen, uh, that's where we'll stay. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Banks are tough. All right, who's next? Nobody, that's it. Oh, so Michael. Uh, Michael Ted, Ted's out for the week and Michael's on vacation. Oh, that's right. I forgot all about that. That's right. Well, Michael has a wedding in Mexico. All right, folks, listen. Um, if you like what you heard, please tell a friend, tell a neighbor, just send them to revereasset.com. They can go in the upper right hand corner and they can hit the subscribe button. And, and we, the, this, uh, podcast will go to their inbox every Saturday morning. Tomorrow it'll go Friday morning, but normally it goes Saturday morning when the, but if you go to the YouTube channel and hit subscribe, just search for Revere Asset, hit subscribe. This will be in about an hour after we record this. The market will still be open when you get it. You also get our daily market inside videos that we do every night. The market is open in the evening, a short 10 minute video. You can also next to the subscribe button, there's a contact us button. You can shoot me a message, ask for a complimentary portfolio review, uh, any topics you want to discuss on the show or anything you want to just anything you want to talk about. And you can email any of us, uh, dan at revereasset.com, don at revereasset.com, michael, ted, or connor at revereasset.com. And you can always call us old school at 855-REAL-WEALTH. Folks, have a happy and safe three-day weekend. Happy Easter and happy Good Friday. We'll talk to you next week on your money. Because it's not how much you make in the markets, it's how much of that you can keep.
Your Money Radio podcast covers general topics and investment ideas for research. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not meant to be investment advice. If you want or need investment advice, contact your own advisors or reach out to Revere Asset Management for individual investment advice. For more information, just go to revereasset.com.